Good morning, everyone. Uh, before I introduce um, our speaker with Camp Duncan, I just want to give you just a brief breakdown of what our missions looks like here at Oz Memorial Baptist Church. Uh, there's really four categories that our missions is composed of. One is the cooperative programs, Sandhills Baptist Association, specified missions, which is where Camp Duncan falls, and then our outreach and evangelism. And so if you all remember, uh, we started increasing our missions budget 1% every single year. And so this year is 13% of our budget, and we're going to continue to increase that 1% until we reach 20%. And so what, what we're doing today, which is the reason why Camp Duncan is, is in the specified missions, there are specific uh, organizations and associations that we give to on an annual basis, sometimes monthly, sometimes one time, but they're specified. And I just want to kind of give you a list so you're aware of, of what we're actually doing. Uh, Mission Dignity, which if you all recall, came a couple of years ago and spoke, is one of them. Sandhills Teen Challenge, which we have, have had in, in previous years. Uh, Baptist Children's Home, Cameron's Boys Camp, which we had last year, uh, Builders of Israel, Bridge Ministry, Vietnam Ministry, and then today, um, as Brad Gearhart, who's the director of Camp Duncan, is the last uh, organization of our specified missions that we give to. And so, without further ado, if you guys can please uh, join me in introducing Brad Gearhart with Camp Duncan. Well, good morning, everybody. I hate to start off with a little disappointment, but you just got me this morning. Uh, The girls are not joining me. Um, But be encouraged, be excited. Uh, We are moving towards opening up campuses again and having uh, folks come out and also start doing church visits again. And so we're looking forward to, uh, Dr. Blackwell has already told us, September, October, November, get ready. Because we're going to be going out a lot. And so if you'd like to have us come out uh, and see the girls and not just hear me, um, you know, give us a call either at Camp Duncan or the Baptist Children's Home's main office, and we'll get that set up. <coughs> Excuse me. But what I want to do is uh, just start off by saying, again, my name is Brad Gearhart. I'm the director at Camp Duncan. Been there a little over a year and a half, uh, but I've been with Baptist Children's Homes a little over 10 years now. Uh, I came down from Pennsylvania, and I started at the boys' camp um, back in 2010 and transitioned to the girls' camp in 2000, um, 2019. And it was one of those situations where, you know, I always felt like from the very beginning, I would do a couple years down here, go back to Pennsylvania. And you know how the Lord works. He's got his plan, and and we just do our best to follow him. Um, And so here we are 10 years later and still in North Carolina. Um, And it was one of those things when Dr. Uh, Blackwell, he contacted me and said, hey, uh, Chief Paul decided he was going to retire. And uh, if you're interested in that position, you interview in two days. Okay. And so here we are, and the Lord, uh, I didn't think I was qualified, I didn't think I was capable, but the Lord likes to use uh, those that feel that way, and He equips you and and gets you ready for that. So I want to give you guys a little overview of Baptist Children's Homes. For those of you that don't know, Baptist Children's Homes has 21 campuses throughout the state of North Carolina. Uh, We also have an orphanage in Guatemala, and they're actually building, working on building a second orphanage out there. Uh, We've also gone into the foster care uh, ministry as well, and that started about three years ago. And in a three-year period, we have 182 homes that have been licensed through Baptist Children's Homes. Uh, We've had 314 children um, become, um, like, gone into care through that program as well, where families have been trained and equipped and then adopted or are fostering 
um, 314 kids now. So in the two-year period, we grew 150% just in the foster care industry. And so, actually, I think I heard that there's a family or a couple families in this church that has been a part of that. And so thank you all for that. Um, we are blessed to be a part of that as a Baptist Children's Homes. Um, and I also know that there are, I think, about the same amount of 182 families that are in process of becoming licensed or becoming uh, trained to be foster care families. So the ministry has really blown up. The thing I love about Baptist Children's Homes is they saw a need for foster care and they thought, hey, what can we do about it? So they stepped up and they started this program and it has really taken off. It's amazing what the Lord does when you follow his direction with that. For an organization the size of Baptist Children's Homes, I've continued to be impressed over the 10 years that I've been a part of them and how they see a need and they step up and they do something about it. Um, A sampling of some of the ministries they have is there's a single mom's ministry, a ministry for men and women with developmental disabilities, childhood education, wilderness camps, which is what uh, Camp Duncan is, There's cottage care campuses, foster care, NC Baptist Aging Ministries, otherwise known as NC VAM. They also have community outreach locations. Uh, We call them Greater Vision Centers, and there's one in Thomasville and now one in Kinston. Um, And like I said, the orphanage in Guatemala. We actually recently joined with uh, Christian Adoption Services, and so we've partnered with them. They are now under um, the ministry of Baptist Children's Homes. So that moves our reach down into South Carolina, and they're actually working towards international adoptions as well. And so we're excited as we continue to grow into that. So I'm curious, by a raise of hands, uh, who is familiar with Camp Duncan, who's maybe been out there before and knows what the ministry is about? So we've got a few people. Great. Well, hey, part of what I wanted to do today was share with you a little bit um, about the ministry and what you all are sponsoring and and, uh, have a hand in helping us do. So Camp Duncan is 10 minutes away. Uh, We're right here in Aberdeen. We're dedicated to changing lives, and we primarily work with girls uh, ages Right now our youngest is 12, and they age out at 18. But as far as the intake process, it's usually between 12 and 15 that we bring them in to give them uh, enough time to work through the program. Um, and during their time there, they can experience the freedom of being outdoors within a small structure of groups with constant caring supervision. And so we live in kind of small villages uh, out in campsites, and so these campsites are built, maintained, and uh, taken care of by the girls in our care. Uh, and by the chiefs that are living with them. Um, And they're coming here to live outside in this year-round program, and we're working with the girls physically at the camp, but we're working with the whole family uh, to help them overcome personal struggles and family struggles uh, as we work together to do that. Um, So I've actually got a short video prepared for you all, and so we played this at our recent event uh, for Ride to Clyde. It's a fundraiser they've done uh, for the last six years now, and each year it has grown more and more and more, Uh, This year alone, they brought in $142,000 from this event. And so we were blessed to have them come out and stop at our campus and spend some time sharing with them. Uh, But due to COVID, things have been looking a little different. Uh, And so we put up a video on our Facebook page to allow them to see that since we weren't able to take them down into campsites. Um, And so I have that video ready for you guys today. If you want to take a look at the screen, it's about a three and a half minute video to give you an overview of what camp is about. Uh, in the Pathfinder campsite. And like I said, these tents are built and maintained by the girls. They design them. It's a constant cycle that they're rebuilding these tents in about a four-year period. Every tent will get rebuilt. 
That's our powwow area. We end every day uh, with a powwow. This is an example of some of the trips that we take. Canoe trips are a big part of those. Great, so some of those pictures you saw in there, one where they were kind of holding turkeys and it looked a little gross maybe, that was them preparing for our turkey in the whole event. And we're excited because this year, like I said, campuses are opening back up. And so we'd love for you all just to kind of have that in the back of your mind. Uh, turkey in the whole event, we will be hosting at Camp Duncan. I know the boys camp uh, hosts one as well. And so if you'd be interested in coming out and seeing what it's like to cook a turkey in the ground or be a part of the silliness that happens the night before, we'd love to have you guys. Um, love to chat with you more about that after the service, um, give you some information. We've also got a Friends of Children's Day. Um, and so we have 700 acres, we have one maintenance man, and we need lots of help. And so if you all are interested in that, October 9th uh, this year, we've got it on the calendar. It's a Saturday. So if you guys would be interested in doing something, we'll find something for you to do. So just a little plug for you there. Um, but let's get back to talking about what Camp Duncan is all about. So the girls come to camp, and they're living in groups, uh, like families, uh, down in the campsites. We can have up to 10 girls in each group and three counselors per group called chiefs. Um, and with the help of their peers and the chiefs in the group, the campers are learning discipline, positive behavior patterns, 
and self-worth. So Camp Duncan is an accredited non-public school, and we're licensed by the state of North Carolina. And so through that, we're able to educate the girls through an experiential curriculum. And so we're trying to help them be as hands-on as possible. You know, through COVID, we were still trying to get out on day trips. Um, If they were studying Native Americans, Town Creek Indian Mound is close by. And so they're able to dig in to that and talk with people that are passionate about it and ask good questions um, and get out and just be interacting with the public, which is always good for them. But most importantly, camp is a Christ-centered program. Uh, It's a program that provides campers and their families an opportunity to work out challenges and problems in order to experience healing and transformation. Um, And camp's approach, it involves the entire family. You know, oftentimes people are like, well, yeah, but after they get done, they're just going right back to where they came from. Physically, yes, but the family is basically all at camp. The parents have goals. The siblings have goals. They're trying to incorporate some of the structure and routine that we have at the camp uh, into the home environment. And sometimes families even move. Um, Sometimes they're changing school districts to give their daughter or their son at the boys' camp an opportunity to have a different uh, change of scenery. And man, with COVID and a lot of schools going to online, that was really challenging for a lot of of girls specifically. And so camp was able to offer some normalcy there where they're able to still learn hands-on, dig into things. You know, you saw some of the girls holding snakes or lizards or, um, you know, doing things physically with their hands, working on crafts. You don't have that with virtual school. And so it was challenging in a lot of ways, but for these girls, they were still able to continue that sort of education. So the girls' stay at camp is an average of 14 to 18 months. Um, And while they're there, they're living outside. They're taking extended trips like what you saw in the video. Uh, They're hiking on trails, and they're building and maintaining their campsites. And so the the templating process, like I said, it is their responsibility um, to maintain these campsites. And so they'll often take a tent that's due for rebuilding, and they'll evaluate, you know, what do we like about it, what do we want to keep, and what do we want to change. And then their new design will reflect that. So they graph it out on graph paper. That gives them the length of the poles they need as well as how many. They cut them down from our 700-acre property. Uh, they skin the bark off, as you saw in the video. And they're building using dowel rods and bow saws and uh, wooden shillelaghs, hammers, you know, all that stuff. Um, and they, they maintain that and talk about pride when they get those done. Um, sometime when you guys come out, you'll be able to see those. You know, video is one thing, but seeing them in person, it's a pretty life-changing um, thing when you get to see that. Um, but these girls, like I said, I wish they were here, but they are some of the bravest girls that I've ever met. Uh, they've gotten to a point where them and their family have said, we need help. And how many of you know it's, it's hard to ask for help sometimes? I know that. And so they came to camp saying, hey, we need some help. We want to work this out. You know, can you guys help us? And so we work with them. Like I said, we've got goals. And the girls are physically with us, but the whole family really comes to camp. Um, the program has an emphasis on the girls taking ownership of themselves Too often it's easy to say, well, yeah, but they did this, or they that, or they, you know, influenced this. So we try to help them separate, you know, I feel this way, but I'm going to choose to behave this way, or I'm going to choose to respond this way. And so the emphasis of our program is on them taking ownership and the goals that they help set. Um, It's not a six-month program or a one-year program, but rather a program that they come in and they're there as long as they need to be there. Um, You know, as long as we're making progress and the family's still working with us, We want to keep working with them. And so how do you know when it's time to go? Um, Well, we evaluate these goals quarterly. So every three months we're getting together. That's with one of their chiefs. That's with a supervisor. The family's there. The case manager's there. Myself. And so we're talking through how they're doing. We're putting a score on it from 1 to 10. And we're evaluating, hey, how are we doing growing with this? Do we need to change anything or evaluate anything? But we're getting the whole team together. And so it takes the emphasis off of a time frame 
Because too often we fall in the trap of, well, I only have to make it a year, you know, but rather I need to work on this. And so we're looking for that heart change. And it's pretty incredible to see the change that can happen. Some of the change that we see, uh, you know, with being a school, we have girls come in that are usually behind uh, or maybe on track but just struggling. And when they come into our program, the schooling looks a little different. We don't have a classroom. Uh, We've got a 700-acre classroom, if you will. Um, But they have clipboards, and they have what they call campsite internet. And so it's a library box filled with books that they can start the initial learning process when they're curious about things. Then we have a larger library and a computer lab that they can kind of dig in more. Um, But during that academic growth, we find that the growth can be so huge when they deal with some past hurt or past trauma. And so it's kind of, uh, it's been a hurdle to them. And it's been something that until they get through that or get past that or work, you know, process that um, and get it out of the way, it slows them down academically. And so this growth, yes, we've got pretty good teachers, I think, you know, but I'm biased about that. But I think it's mainly, you know, we're just trying to love on them. We're trying to live life together. And we're trying to just partner with them and say, hey, as problems arise, hey, let's try handling it this way. Or let's try a different coping strategy rather than self-harm. Um, And as we work through these things and create opportunity for conversation, it kind of frees up that mental space to be able to dig in academics again. So we found in a one-year period, they're gaining two years academically, but again, when they apply themselves or when they choose to go for it. Um, It's not something, you know, I can't graduate for them. I I say that to them often. Um, So as we live life together in our groups or in our family units, as these issues arise, we stop what we're doing sometimes and we talk about it. Um, and we just dig in however we need to. Sometimes it's, hey, let's not spend time on that, but let's go eat a meal instead. And sometimes that's just all they need. But we're providing that direction, and we're providing um, positive coping strategies with that. So how do we do this work? Um, At the camp, we have chiefs. Um, They're a live-in position, and so these are young ladies, typically just graduated college um, with an associate's or a bachelor's degree of some sort. And we've had a few come in with a master's degree, not a specific uh, degree necessarily, but just one that uh, it has equipped them and educated them to be a, a teacher or a tutor, you know, and helps the, help be able to help the girls uh, through their math or through uh, re- writing a book report or writing a plan or an article or something. So it is a live-in position. Um, it is a position that during the interview process, we're talking with them, we're trying to de- um, discern and decipher what does their relationship with God look like and, you know, what do you do when you're stressed and how do you handle that and is God the center of all of that? And so we're having these uh, godly women come in, um, choosing to bring their personal relationship with God into this position with these girls. We do ask for a two-year commitment um, from these chiefs and some of them choose to stay more. Um, we have a few that are, are staying uh, on their third year now or getting into their third year. Um, we have supervisors that we have one that is uh, on her 10th year. So really, we ask that you just seek the Lord. And if he's calling you to stay, we ask that you listen to him. Um, but the chiefs really strive to live out a godly lifestyle and to have appropriate fun, because who doesn't like to have fun, but also appropriate firm limits, uh, as well as some adventure. And so at camp, we, have, we try to have a scripture basis for everything that we do. And so I wanted to share with you all today kind of some of the basis that we use um, in different aspects of the program. And so I know that when someone comes to me and says, hey, Brad, you might need to do this different, or hey, the way you did that probably wasn't very good, it doesn't always feel the best, you know, and sometimes discipline isn't something that I, you know, necessarily look forward to. Um, but in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses th- 5 through 7, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be impressed upon your hearts. 
So impress them to your children or at camp, maybe our campers. Um, Talk to them when you sit at home or in their campsite and when you walk along the road or down the trail and when you lie down and when you get up. And so these chiefs, they're talking to these girls just about the devotion they had that morning in their personal time or they're preparing for a chapel or a vesper service and they're saying, hey, I was thinking about this and I read in my Bible and it really encouraged me and I wanted to share it with you guys. So they take turns kind of leading chapel and vespers for the other groups as a way of encouraging them, as a way of the girls digging into the, uh, the Bible, and as a way of um, learning what the Bible has to say about discipline, what it has to say about you know, hard life circumstances, uh, the encouragement that it gives them, and so much more. So like I said, sometimes being disciplined is hard and it's uncomfortable, um, but it's something that you know, we are encouraged to do. So in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 6, And you have forgotten that the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons, or at Camp Duncan, daughters, my son or daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son or daughter. So I think too often discipline with the girls that we work with is a negative thing. It's something that, how dare they do that? This hurts. It doesn't make me feel good. And we try to help them see that, well, discipline is actually something that, you know, the Lord does for us because he loves us so much. And it's something that, you know, you might not want to look forward to, um, but it should spur us on to want to do better um, and want to strive for better. So it doesn't feel good, but it helps us work towards responding rather than an emotional reaction. And so at camp, we have an analogy we like to use called a three-legged stool. Um, the old, old school term is a three-legged milking stool. I don't know if we have any farmers here today, but uh, I don't know that most people sit on a milking stool to milk a cow anymore. But the, the point of it is, these legs of this stool need to be in equal balance. If they're not, when you sit on it, when you stand on it, it's going to fall over. Um, and so those three legs are made up of tender touch, personal responsibility, and firm limits. Tender touch is things like, you know, giving them a hug before they go to bed. Um, you know, getting them ice when they have a, a bruise or something. Or maybe some ibuprofen when they have a headache. Or an allergy pill when we have the green fog that happens around us. Um, you know, remembering special occasions. Maybe it's just their birthday. Maybe it's if they were adopted, their gotcha date. You know, we've had that before. We make a big deal out of things like that. Uh, but all kinds of things that, hey, what is special to them? I want it to be special to me. Firm limits is something that... You know, there's a balance there for sure. Um, this isn't something that we want to be harsh with. It's not strict rules. But it's rather, hey, group, what do we want to be about? And what do we want to be known for as the pathfinders, or as the pioneers, or maybe as a family? And what do we want to um, have people say about us? And so that's what we want to strive towards. And so what agreements are we going to make? And what agreements are we going to choose to follow? So it takes the rules out of it. And it's not, you know, Chief Brad telling them what to do. But it's rather, what are we choosing to do for ourselves? And then personal responsibility. Hey, we all mess up sometimes. I'm right there. I've messed up before. I might get angrier than I should. I might raise my tone. And then I feel like the Lord's saying, hey, you know, maybe you should go say sorry for that. And you should go apologize. And so taking personal responsibility for our actions and going back and saying sorry. Or, you know, sometimes out of anger, um, the girls might take their clipboard and break it. You know, something small. But it's something that, hey, this, is, this can be a big deal if we don't keep it in check. And so them having to buy a new clipboard because they broke the one that was given to them. Um, and just that personal responsibility uh, to, to take care of that and to own that. Chief Mack uh, was one of the original founding chiefs of camp. Um, camp as a whole, he's been doing it since like 1940. Um, and so he started the boys camp as a director there. 
and he have, we have like chief machisms is what we call them. And these are just wisdom, uh, wise words that he has said over the years uh, that we have passed on year after year. And Chief Mack encouraged us to put as much effort into solving things up and making them right as we did into the mistake. So that's, that's hard sometimes. Sometimes we get stuck in an emotional uh, state out of, of anger or um, of just not loving someone else for quite a while. And he encouraged us, put the same effort in. You know, if you damage something, what do you need to do to fix that or to make it all the way right? And so at Camp Duncan, God is the center of it. And it is something that you know, we strive to preach and live out on a daily basis. Uh, we're all human, and we don't always do the best, but like I said, that's what we're striving for. And so these girls that are coming into our care, they're coming in, some of them never been exposed to God before, some of them have, and it's been maybe a little too forceful, and they just don't have a good, um, a good feeling about it, or they don't uh, appreciate uh, the exposure they've had. And so but God being the center of it isn't something that they need to accept Christ to graduate our program. But we found that 95 to 99% of the girls do because of the constant exposure to it. So every Wednesday night we have a Vesper service. Every Sunday morning we have a chapel service. And these are times that the groups plan out uh, what they want to present to the other group. They're helping prepare songs, um, questions to get some interaction. And it's a discussion-based expositional teaching. And so we're kind of working our way through the Bible. The groups are sometimes looking for, hey, we need help with... Uh, maybe our bad attitudes. What does the Bible have to say about that? Or what does the Bible have to say about being good friends to each other? Or, hey, I read this during my quiet time today, and I thought, man, I was just encouraged. I want to share that with the other group. And so the chiefs will take lead with sharing the message portion of that, but the group help comes up with questions, with the songs, uh, maybe a skit uh, to have a little bit of fun with that, Um, and they present it to the other group uh, on Wednesdays and Sunday mornings. So the big question is, what... Um, what is the recidivism rate? And my uncle asked me that question one time, and I said, you're going to have to tell me what recidivism means, uh, but then I think I can answer that. Um, but, we you know, does the camp program work? Um, you know, it's something that I wish it worked better sometimes. Um, sometimes I feel like it works really well, and then someone graduates camp, and two, two weeks later they're in jail. And so it's one of those things that camp is a choice. They had to choose to come. It is a voluntary program, just like our relationship with Christ it's not something that we choose one time and then we're good. It's something that we have to choose and rechoose every day and say, God, I want to live today for you. I want to live this hour for you. And so Camp Duncan, we found that it's one of the hardest, best things um, that you can do because it's a choice. And you're going to come in. A lot of these girls come in, big smiles on their faces, excited about the trips, excited about what we're doing. And then things start to get hard. And suddenly they start to think, well, why am I here? What am I doing? Um, is this really what I want to be a part of? And we do try to keep the emphasis on, no, this is a commitment we've made, and this is something that we've signed up for, um, and we want to keep working with them. And as believers in Christ, isn't that something we wrestle with every day? You know, man, today is hard. I'm getting made fun of for this. Or, man, I just had a death in the family, and, Lord, that was really hard. I don't, I, it's hard for me to see what you're doing through that. Camp is hard. Life is hard. Being a Christian is hard sometimes. But we know that God is good. We know that his plan is way better than ours. And we know that any time I've had a hard moment in life or a hard season in life, when we get through that season, when you look back and you reflect on it, isn't God good? Isn't it cool to see how he's, incorpor- he's taken care of us and he's loved us and he's had things figured out way better than we could have possibly done ourselves? Um, so some of these kids, after they've graduated, 
they might come back to camp. We've had kids graduate and get home, you know, and we call it the real world. The girls call it the real world um, because camp is a little bit of a bubble. We've got a group of girls that they're all for each other. You know, they bicker and they fight sometimes, but they're for each other. They've got chiefs that are for them. They're not seeing a lot of things that are happening in the world right now. And so when they're back out in it, we do our best to help them transition. We do our best to help them be exposed uh, to some of that and prepared for some of that. But it's hard. And sometimes when they come back, they, they say that. Anybody that's ever graduated has said, life after camp is harder than being at camp because of all the things that you're exposed to on a daily basis. And we know that when we're doing um, life and we're trying to live a life out for the Lord or trying to be committed to camp um, and committed to what we've said we were going to do, we fall short sometimes. In Romans chapter 3, verses 23, it says, For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But because we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So that's the model that we strive to live for these girls in our care. You know, we can mess up. There's grace for that. There's room for that. But what what can we do to make it better next time? What can we do to maybe prevent that next time or to maybe not stay so upset for as long as we were this time before? And even when we have staff going through tough decisions, it really speaks volume to the girls um, at how they choose to handle it. And so they're seeing a, a model of when someone in their family, we have one chief right now, um, her father's in the hospital and her niece is in the hospital. They went into the hospital the same day after already having some complications. Uh, the niece is needing bone marrow transplant and they're trying to find a, a match for that donor. And then while at that, she had, uh, was diagnosed with MRSA. So just like compounding things, and the chief's father is in the hospital. He's got cancer, and they had to do surgery. And it was just like, man, Lord, what are you doing with this? How are you, how is this taking care of them? How is this part of your plan? There's all this hurt. And it's been amazing to see how this chief has chosen to to walk through that, to walk into that, and to trust the Lord through that. I don't know of a more powerful example to these girls in how to handle tough situations when they're seeing it lived out in front of them. That's the kind of chief that we're striving to have. That's the kind of person that we're striving to be for these girls. Uh, At camp, we're nobody special. Um, You know, we're human. We make mistakes. But we are striving to live out life uh, the way we feel God is calling us to do. So Camp Duncan is our mission field. um, But every one of you has your own mission field. You know, work. Maybe it's this church here specifically. Uh, Maybe it's a group that you're a part of outside of work. And so wherever that is, Live into that mission. You know, focus on that. Uh, strive to live that out for the Lord. So sometimes at camp, you know, and sometimes ourselves, we've got some bad attitudes. We might uh, be in a little bit of a funk that day. Woke up on the wrong side of the bed, so to speak. Um, and so when we're dealing with bad attitudes at camp, we try to, to model Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. And that says, If your brother sins, or your sister, go and show him or her their fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or, more, one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two to three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, then tell it to the church. So at camp, we apply that. Uh, we live in groups, these family units. And as a group, we strive to look out for each other and to help each other when we're struggling. But if we see something that isn't right, you know, it's our job to go and and maybe chat with that person, ideally in love, ideally with a lot of grace, uh, but we do try to help each other with that. And if they listen to you and they change their behavior, great, you've won a friend. Um, If that doesn't work or if that behavior doesn't change, 
You know, the Bible encourages us to bring two or three more people with us. But the part I always em- emphasize with this is sometimes if I'm going to get two or three people to come with me to talk to this person, I need to be open to being wrong. You know, sometimes my motivation isn't aligned with what the Lord um, has for them. And so when you're getting two or three people, they might say, well, Brad, you, you're a little off there. And so being open to that. But if you all go back to them and, and they listen then, great, you've won them over. And if it still continues, sometimes we'll stop everything we're doing at camp. You know, building a tent, planning for a trip, um, designing the next tent, working on school, whatever it is. And we can just stop what we're doing. We get together, we call them gather-ups. Sometimes we'll bring in the girls' case manager. Sometimes I'll join them. Um, sometimes the family can be called and come in. Whatever we need to do, uh, we'll get the whole team together to work with them. The thing I found at camp is, and what Chief Mac said, another Chief Macism, is that everyone needs someone who's crazy about them in their life. You know, oftentimes that's a parent um, about their, their kids, a school teacher. Some of you might have a school teacher. Some of you might be that school teacher uh, that is just crazy about your students. And the response, the, you know, the, the love that they feel when you do that for them motivates them to continue to do better, motivates them to strive for better. And everybody needs that person. And so we strive to do that for these girls as well. We try to show them the love of Jesus. We try to be excited about this new skill they've learned. Uh, or maybe you know, their parents working through things and they're excited about it, so we want to be excited about it. Um, but God loves us. He knew us before we were born. He, and he knew that knowing all the mistakes that we were going to make, knowing all the, the things uh, that we were going to choose to do that we shouldn't have, he loves us despite all of that. And so we try to extend that grace to these girls. We try to extend that grace to each other. It's tough sometimes, but that's what the Lord calls us to do. There are certainly days that I get frustrated, um, you know, but we're doing our best to love them. And I've got two kids of my own, and uh, I'm excited we have a third one on the way. And we strive to live that out for our kids. Um, and it's tough. Being a parent is tough. But I encourage you all, you know, discipline, having fun, um, loving on them, that three-legged milking stool. I encourage you all to do that um, with your kids, with your students in the school. Um, and so now that you guys have heard a little bit more about Camp Duncan, kind of the, the structure of the camp, um, some of the scriptural basis for some of the things that we do, um, you know, this is Mission Sunday for you guys, and I have the opportunity to present with you. Um, and so I wanted to take some time and share. We have some videos of past campers that have graduated our program and are no longer with us. Um, I've been told the audio is a little low, so I'll try to recap um, what they've said. But we've got two girls, Ksenia and Megan, um, and we'll share those videos with you guys. And then it was kind of fun. I asked some of the girls that are currently with us uh, if they'd be willing to kind of write down uh, some words to share with you guys today since they aren't able to be here. And I had three girls that were willing to do that. And so I'm actually just going to read to you uh, what they wrote because their words are going to say it way better than I could. Um, but camp is, is making a difference. God is making a difference. And it's because of the work that you guys are helping us do in that. And so we'll take a few minutes. Uh, this is Ksenia up on the screen here. And we'll listen to her. And then we've got uh, Megan coming up after that. Thank you. 
So that was Ksenia. Um, she's a local graduate from camp, and her mom and dad uh, were great to work with. And she has continued to do well, uh, continued to apply what she's been learning, um, continues to have, have a strong relationship with the Lord. So next we've got Megan for you. Uh, for those of you that received the charity and children, there was an article published uh, in there about Megan and her family and her story. So for some of you that might be familiar, uh, but if not, we'll enjoy that now. So, apologize for the quality of that video, but it was actually a, about a 15-minute story that she shared. And so that's why you saw all the cuts and piecing together, because we would have been here for 15 minutes. But it was so cool to see Megan's transformation um, through the program at camp, because she had her hair kind of in this messy bun. And when she first came to camp, it was kind of like up here. And she tried to keep it in her face. She always had her hood up, and she was just always had this kind of scowl. And as she worked through things and worked through her past and had good conversations with her parents, 
you could see even just her hairstyle change and her demeanor change, and she didn't have her hood up all the time. Um, and so it was amazing to see kind of these outward changes that were happening as a result of some of the inward change. And I distinctly remember uh, in one of her family meetings with her family, um, her mom and dad were not together, but they were both very much invested in Megan and wanting to be there for her and, and to support her. And in one of the meetings, she said, Dad, are you a Christian? And he was, he was kind of taken aback, and he wasn't really sure how to respond to that. But it just opened up the door for them to be able to have a conversation about it, and she was able to share. She had scripture ready, and she was like preaching to him in this family conference. And it was just so cool to see what she has learned and how open and willing she was to talk to her dad about it. And um, since then, they have found a church. And, um, you know, it's interesting because camp is an opportunity. Um, we found out recently that, you know, Megan left camp. She graduated and did very well, but she still had struggles after camp. And so it's testament to we can learn lots of great things, but if we don't continue to apply them, if we don't continue to seek after God, if we don't continue to refresh our, and renew our minds and our souls for Him, we're going to have our struggles. And so keep your eyes focused on Him. So I've got just a few more things. I know I'm, I'm cutting it close on time, um, but I've got three testimonies here um, and just kind of three um, written summaries of what some of these girls have been learning. First one I want to share with you is Abigail. Um, Abigail has been at camp uh, about a year now, and she just shares a little bit of her, of her backstory. And so rather than me trying to summarize it, mess it up, I'm just going to read uh, for you all what she wrote. She said, Hi, my name is Abigail. I'm 16 years old. I've lived at camp for almost a year. I have three sisters, two loving parents, and spend my free time canoeing, painting, and spending time with my mom and dad. My troubles began in childhood. We moved frequently, and I got picked on for my different accent and lifestyle. I didn't respond well to the pressure of pop culture and bullies. Because of my growing dissatisfaction with myself and my appearance, I started harming myself and having troubles at home. I ran into lots of unhealthy relationships, looking for a rescuer, missing God. By the time I was 15, I had stopped going to school, started abusing substances, and, having, and was having more encounters with the police and the hospital. My parents found camp through a law enforcement, or excuse me, through law enforcement, and decided it would be a good fit for our family. I left in June, not understanding what exactly I signed up for. Upon entry, I struggled because I wasn't accustomed to facing issues and working to solve them. But as I started to work with Camp Moore, I talked about things that I hadn't discussed before and felt a weight off my chest. I accepted God into my heart and started to work on some real issues. In the midst of my trials, I formed a hard heart and picked up some bad habits. It wasn't easy, but I asked God to work in my heart and change me into who He wants me to be. It is a painful process, but I feel God softened my heart and is making me into His servant. Recently, my sister died, and my family and I have struggled, causing me to, run, to rely on God and pushing me to make better choices. I have learned that no matter my circumstances, I am fully capable of responding well and taking care of myself and others. Every day, I decide who I'm going to be, what I'm going to be about, and what to thank God for. I'm thankful to God and camp for interceding for me and helping me gain control over my life. Thank you so much for your support. Abigail. Uh, this next one I want to read for you. This is from Ella. So again, I'm not going to try and summarize it. I feel like I'll mess it up if I do that. So we'll just jump right in. When I was born, my biological mom put me up for adoption. At the time, my dad was working at the hospital and was told there was a baby that needed adopted. 
He called his wife, my mom now, and within minutes they adopted me. Starting in late elementary school, through middle school, I started stealing, lying, and doing drugs, not respecting my authority, and hanging out with the wrong crowd. Home felt unstable and stressful between my parents yelling all the time and my choices. When I was 13, my parents sent me to a program called Outward Bound, but we all knew that wasn't going to change my actions. When I came home, we found camp, and at first I was very angry, but knew it was where I needed to be and also what I needed for my family and I. We sat down and evaluated my life at home and made goals based off that. Since coming to camp, my parents have divorced, and with the help of camp, I've been learning different ways to cope with my feelings of the divorce. Camp has also helped my parents navigate how to best take care of my siblings and I while in two separate homes. Coming into camp, I wanted things to be different, and I pushed hard to rebuild my relationships with my family, but specifically my parents. I can now honestly communicate with them and respectfully listen to them. And at camp, any relationship with my group and chiefs is pretty good as well. In November of 2019, I accepted Christ, and for me it has brought a lot of closure with the situations in my life. Camp has also supported me through my ups and downs and has always been there for my family and I as a helping hand. Without the support of camp, I don't know where I would be, and without the support of you guys and others, I wouldn't have camp. Yeah, sorry, I was making sure I said the right word. Thank you guys for all your love and support. And I've got one more to share with you, um, and this is from Caitlin. Before coming to camp, I struggled with putting myself under my authority. I had no respect for anybody, nor myself. The past hurts of my biological mom not being in my life, and my dad being in and out of my life. My feelings and my past hurts caused me to start acting out in elaborate ways. I started sneaking out of my house, misusing substances, and I felt, like doing, I felt like doing all that was solving my problems. But man, was I wrong. My grandmother tried everything in her power to help me out, but things just kept escalating. I got more and more out of control. My mom found camp in September of 2019. As a family, we thought camp was where I needed to be. I came to camp on September 25th of 2019. Coming to camp, I didn't have the attitude of I'm going to work on my stuff, I honestly just prolonged things and created more problems for myself. We also have four agreements that we agree to when we come to camp. Help ourselves, help others, never give up, and be an active participant. I agreed to them, but I did not put them into action. Through my stay at camp, I have seen more girls leave for not so good reasons than graduating, and that really affected my attitude towards things. But the awesome thing is, We all get to choose how we respond to things, and I choose just to go for things and really work on what I came to camp for. A big role in that decision was when I chose to accept God in my life. That's when things started to change. My relationship with my grandma has gotten a lot better. I come to her about things and have learned to be honest. I now know I'm loved and cared for. I would say God has helped me provide for my family, excuse me, helped me and provided for my family. Coming to camp and being exposed to the Bible really made a difference. I now realize God's got me and will provide for my needs. I also know that I may not have my earthly father, but I have a heavenly father who loves me so much and who will never leave. And that's where I find peace. The staff here at camp are amazing. I am very thankful for their time, encouragements, love, care, and dedication they have shown me and my family. I've come a long way, but most importantly, I found the good Lord in myself. 
Thank you all for your love and support. When I'm not feeling loved or cared for, I know that a bunch of people who I've never met love and care for me. Knowing that really makes a difference. Thanks again. So in closing, uh, and I guess with uh, Caitlin, the last testimony I just shared with you all, she does have a father, um, but one of the things she really wrestles with is she feels like he's not a father to her. You know, he's not actively involved with her. He's so busy working, saying he's providing for the family. Um, but she's, I don't know, he's, she's struggling with that. And so when she says, you know, I don't have an earthly father, she doesn't have the one that she wants in the sense of she loves him and she wants him more involved. And so she's had some hard conversations with him and still working on that. Um, but I love the fact that she knows I have a heavenly father who he is always there for me and he's always going to be with me and he's never going to leave me or forsake me, even if my earthly father isn't quite who I want him to be. <clears throat> so I hope you all were encouraged today. Um, the work that we're doing at Camp Duncan, we couldn't do without you. Uh, we couldn't do without the Lord. And it's definitely something that it is probably the hardest, best thing I've ever done. Um, but it's something that I know that the Lord is involved with. And there are definitely times that I, I feel like I don't know what to do, you know, with some of the bad attitudes or some of the things that we're dealing with. But what I do know is, hey, the Lord's called me here, and so I just got to keep doing something. I got to keep trying. I got to, you know, keep doing my best. Um, and he's going to take care of the rest.